0: Welcome to the Unified Endurance Podcast, 185. Welcome, Rob Jones. Good morning. Now, you're a maths teacher, or you were. You're panicking already. <laughs> you're panicking. <laughs> I don't,
1: where are you going with this?
0: <laughs> oh, I'm going. Someone at track today said that they had had their hoker shoes for about a year, and they were mm-hmm. really happy because they were lasting. 12 months. 12 months. So, And then I thought, well... I mean, uh, Mac 5, I think it's 750 dirhams, right? Oh, here we go. Yeah. So let's say this person runs on average four times a week. Let's say, normal runner. Your start to run program is, is what? Three runs a week? Four runs a week? It goes up to four, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's average. So here's your, here's your task of the day or the morning. It's, a,
1: it's about three dirhams a run.
0: You knew what I was going to ask and you worked out early. <laughs>
1: It's a buy, a prox. We'll so does, keep it simple. Uh, what yeah. does the shoe
0: start paying you back?
1: This is interesting. Now, my sister has a theory, or it's not really a theory, it's a rule on clothing. So when she buys a piece of clothing, she wants, she puts it, it's, if you like, worth per wear at five dirhams, the equivalent of a pound. So if she knows she's going to buy a 50 pound pair of jeans, she needs to wear them 50 times. And then she's happy that she's got the value from them. I've always thought about that quite a lot. So you'd have to wear a pair of shoes. I don't know. What's that? Uh, Say 15 times on that basis. Is that right? For 750 dirhams? No, No, 150 times. 150
0: times you'd have to wear a pair of shoes. I mean, I needed extra tuition for my maths uh, GCSEs and I still got a C. So you're asking the wrong guy here. <laughs> yeah. So what do you reckon? 150.
1: Do you wear your shoes 150 times? Probably. It's not very long.
0: Yeah, easily. Hmm.
1: There we go. And then, and then you break even. Then you break even. That was her. That's her clothing wear calculation. But then I was, uh, I was running on Tuesday with some guys from a gr- group called the Green Runners, who mm. are an organisation that are trying to make runners more green and so the idea is you you sign up to be part of the green runners and then you make a pledge to yourself or three pledges for that year so it might be to use trains to get to your next race or to car share or to not buy a new pair of clothes for running etc and um, lots of them we don't have them really in the middle east but they have uh like shoe repair kits so if you get like skinny always gets holes in the toes of his shoe doesn't he and uh, this guy was selling repair kits that he designed that pulls the toe box of the shoe back together and seals it up so it's like new and then you cut out whatever shape you want i was like oh that's interesting skinny would love those because then he could cut out cool designs <laughs> and fix his toe box
0: <laughs> <laughs> he'd find another way to waste time in his day
1: yeah. I mean, lots of these guys are getting blisters because their shoes are so old, but <laughs> oh, they were well, stitching their shoes red right together. I thought that was quite cool. So they're making their shoes last longer because it's yeah. annoying when you have a pair of shoes that you know have life left in them, but bits of them are starting to peel or melt or
0: yeah, have a hole in them, right? I have a bit of a system with mine. They go from being Shoes that I'll wear to run. And then when I get them over about 400Ks, they become like a treadmill shoe. Because mm-hmm. the treadmill has a, has a bit more bounce in. Once I feel that they've gone on the treadmill, they just become a dog walking shoe. Yeah, I like yeah.
1: that. Yeah, I have a similar thing. So they're running shoes and then they become walking slash gym shoes. And then they become donating shoes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, good for us saving the planet. So if you run four times a week for a year, it's 208 runs. Yes. So you're saying 150 and we start basically getting our money back. Yeah. So by autumn, if you started running at the start of the year, by
1: autumn, you'd uh, be in in surplus.
0: Sponsored.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Starting that start doing that with other pairs of uh of other items of clothing you'd have a, have
0: to have a spreadsheet on the fridge <laughs> take oh, things off it's exactly what your household looks like good mate you're still in the uk i'm actually in this office on my own um mate brutal just finished <laughs> tuesday get in no one's around no good banter I just sit here and actually get work done. It's a nightmare.
1: <laughs> Boring. So you're finished your work by Wednesday and it gives yourself basically a five-day weekend.
0: Don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you do trap this morning in the UK?
1: No, I'm, uh, after we've recorded this, I'm going to go out and run. Nice. It's actually the luxury of the UK is you can, I catch up on all my sleep. <laughs> yeah. I bank my sleep for the remainder of the year and then come back. Because you yeah. can run at any time of the day. It's unbelievable. Any time. Um, well it's not it's just what great a to live.
0: <laughs> amazing how Good. was track this morning Uh track was so 4 by 800 2 minutes rest 4 by 400 with 90 seconds rest and then a mystery amount of 200s with mm. 60 seconds rest depending on how much time you had left and I think group 1 and 2 got onto the 200s and then the other groups didn't quite make it because it was pretty humid sticky warm so the the 800s and the 400s took the 40 minute time cap, which we ah, now track.
1: Yeah. Well, talk about that 40 minute time cap. This is quite interesting because people would like to know about things like this.
0: Yeah. So we used to work out sets and reps at track based on uh, like distance for the for each group, but mm. I think then you you it's very hard to tell with the variable weather we have here, and by variable I mean for example, yesterday morning, it was, there was no humidity. So it's beautiful, Um, beautiful morning, low 30s. And yeah, you could go outside and you weren't instantly sweating, you know, before the sun came up. And it was really nice. So you probably could have done another extra two Ks of your track set without feeling it too much. Whereas this morning, you wake up and, you know, the windows are steamed up, you feel so you walk outside, you instantly you know, the humidity is high, you start sweating. So it, that obviously puts a big dampener on on performance of running so instead of trying to guess what groups how much distance they can do which would be roughly like group one would be up to about 8k group uh 12 would be down to about four and a half um we just say okay at six we're going to stop the session and everybody just stop with the rep that they're on and that way no one's got a fixated amount of reps in their head because we know what it's like. You get told you're going to do 10 reps. So let's say you're going to do 10, 800s. And at 7 a.m. or 6.59, we say, okay, session's finished. Um, some people in the group have to stop and get off to work or they want to jump in the group picture. Others are like, no, my day is going to be ruined if I don't do the last rep, um, you know, the, the type A's of us. Uh, so we just said, let's let's remove it. Let's just say 40 minutes get as much work as you can d- get done in that and uh, and crack on with your day and i also think it's brilliant for racing and training because often how many times have you been in a race where they say checkpoints at 10k and it's at 11 yeah or it's at nine all the time so what's your ocd brain gonna do then all the time it's
1: brilliant yeah you'd be surprised actually how many people come to me and uh some of their feedback after ultra races is that the checkpoint was not exactly where it said it should be
0: mm. email the organizer i'm sure they'll care
1: yeah garmin doesn't care
0: yeah <laughs> they don't care it's fine good mate we have a backyard backyarder on the show today a back a backyard backyarder
1: yes we do so bit of background because not everyone knows what backyard is so the backyard ultra is a format that requires runners to start one yard they call it a yard it's really a loop on the hour every hour until only one runner remains and it's designed so in theory if you complete 24 hours of yards or loops you can get 100 miles of distance or 160 kilometers uh runners drop out for various reasons when they're tired, when they are injured, when they don't want to run anymore, until two runners remain. Those two runners will keep running um until this well, if you like this the penultimate runner drops out, and then the final runner must complete one solo lap to complete and then win the race. Everyone else DNFs, and there is only one winner. Um, today we have on the show Sam Harvey. Sam came blisteringly close to winning. I want to get Dead Cow Gully. What a great name. Dead Cow Gully Backyard Ultra. He got the assist, which basically means he came second and he supported the winner. He didn't win um, with 101 yards, 101 hours, four days and four nights of running to take the world record or joint world record the guy that eventually won it phil core phil gore his name is got 102 laps so when sam dropped out phil just had to continue and do one more loop 102 and he won the race and got the ultimate world record if you like so that's 600 and pretty much 85 kilometers
0: that's mad right so if you're going for a world record in this you have to be pretty confident that the person in second is going to get you to the world record well this is this is yeah so the second when you get a
1: second place you call it an assist and it's almost like
2: this is sometimes
1: yeah they know they're not going to win the event but they continue to smash at the loops because they've got like this camaraderie with the winner so everyone's driven to win then also you need the people around you to keep running so you can push for that record. Um, and this actually, Sam talks about this a lot, because without the other guys around you willing to push and willing to run 100 hours, you're not going to break that record. And so your scores are always going to be low. So it's, it's an interesting and bizarre twist that if you want to perform really, really well in this race and you want to, I guess, if you want to be at an event and get those high numbers, you need to pick an event with really good runners to help you yeah it's like the maths question about shoes again yeah yeah exactly um so yeah that's it he he did that but then what's even more nuts is he finished that race he obviously came second he (laughs) he then the next race got invited he'll talk about it he got invited to go and sort of be you know the celebrity star at at another race to sort of try and boost its its ranking and you know drum up some more support and get some more people down he decided that you know what so that i'm gonna run and he went and won it and did another 44 hours well chapeau (laughs) these guys anyway good chat with him and uh yeah we talk about we actually don't talk that much about the race itself it's more around what drives him to run how does he attack these long distance how did he get into ultra what his plans are um yeah he's he's gonna be he's young as well so he's gonna be on the circuit i think a while and he's got some big goals in the ultra running scene so he's definitely one to watch for the future
0: amazing good well look forward to listening to it i wasn't there i was on the first time we arranged and his audio wasn't working which was hilarious Mm. uh watching him swear in sign language at at his screen (laughs) uh but so yeah you you take the reins interview mate and and look forward to it so here it is sam welcome to the show
1: cheers brother thanks for having me wicked so i mean there's so many places i could start here but i suppose the obvious one is tell us a little bit about you your background and how you got involved i don't want to know about ultra running yet but maybe just about how did you start running
2: yeah for sure so I mean, yeah. First and foremost, I'm an ultra-distance runner. Uh, I'm I'm a 30-year-old, uh, currently unemployed, uh, living, and I'm and I'm a Kiwi. I yeah, I'm kind of at a at a bit of a crossroads in my life where I've I've just quit my job. I've been offered a pro contract in running, and I'm about to move home to Christchurch, which is in the South Island. The last couple of years, I've been up in Auckland. Uh, for a property developing gig, and um, yeah, I've been—I guess I've more or less been doing some level of endurance sports ever since I was a kid. I—I—I uh, I, I lived kind of in the Waps, uh, as far as w- my parents' farm was a, a little bit further away from everything, so I didn't have immediate access. So, yeah, to. To, to get to the nearest town, to rent out a movie or see my friends, I would, I would jump on a push bike. And, and that led to me doing 10, 20, 30, and then upwards kilometres, sometimes biking into town. And, and yeah, that that led on to kind of 100 kilometres, whatever. Uh, running, therefore, became kind of a thing. So I was a fit kid. Uh by the time i was a teenager and um and running was kind of just to keep fit for rugby really yeah uh, was playing playing rugby all through high school and rug and uh running was my was my fitness thing and i got more so into it in in my final year of high school and then i guess it was always there in the background i've had periods of fitness and unfitness and then i think it was probably 2017 when i was living in ireland for a bit um from, apart from driving tractors and having fun, I'd, I'd go running, I'd do running races, and that's where I kind of came into my own as far as the 5k the 5k racing. and then it was only about a year or two after that that uh, I was back in New Zealand and I was getting really serious about things, fives and tens and then up into 50 kilometer racing and 100k, 160k and then onwards really. Uh,
1: jumping from five
2: actually people are going to kill me if
1: if i don't ask what's your 5k pb
2: uh like 16 minutes
1: nice so that's a huge jump to go from five up to 50 up to 100 milers was there a progressive gap did you trip like did you dabble in a half marathon then a marathon then work your way up or was it just not nah, i'm all in
2: Nah, it was like ten k and then straight jump to 50 and then to 100, and then to 160, and then to 250. And then, yeah, I guess I'd been doing, like, ultra-marathon for a couple, good couple of years before I, like, like, oh, half-marathon, that could be <laughs> fun. It's a bit quicker. <laughs> yeah, I've done one marathon, but it was a mountain marathon with, like, I think it was a 1,000 metres or 1,500 metres of vertical. So, yeah, yeah, not, not the speediest of courses. Still managed to get second, but, like, not not very uh not the best data to extrapolate into into how i'd run a marathon so i still probably got to run a flatland marathon yet
1: when you were in ireland were you doing the the eco trails and the Wicklow ways and that those sort of races
2: uh uh, there was this like little race series called like run dublin run okay and they were all all around the place and yeah they were just a good thing to do on like a I think it was like a Wednesday or a Thursday afternoon. so like if I managed to knock off early, I could uh, I could by the skin of my teeth get to one of these races. I mean like if i if I finished, then I had like an hour and a half or was it two hours to get into Dublin, and I was like, I'd like bike my tits off and then I'd like jump on a bus and <laughs> If I if I missed like one bus, then I'd be like fuck. I've got to like I've, I've got to bike five kilometres to like catch the train. Like it was all skin in my teeth. And then like yeah, I'd line up on the start line as they were about to kick off, and and like they would all laugh because they kind of knew, knew. Will, will he turn up? Will he not, he not turn up? up? <laughs> yeah yeah, and uh yeah like I'd be taking a pee in the bushes as they'd be doing the like the countdown, and then like they'd take off and be like, sweet, i'm on. <laughs>
1: That's so good. What a what drew you to to endurance running then why why not stick doing fives and tens because they're very different races
2: yeah uh, I guess I'm not sure if it's like a little bit of ADD or something but I, I guess I've always been drawn to sport and then 2017 maybe 2018 I was just doing everything that I could get my hands on like I was I was fighting as as a boxer I was Playing rugby, I was doing like ten-hour mountain bike races. I was doing triathlons, duathlons. Fuck uh, if I could, there was like a an event that popped up on the calendar that I could like fit in, I just I just do it. And yeah, and then like I saw an ultramarathon that that I could fit in, and I was like, yep, sweet, let's do that one. And yeah, I guess I am naturally probably. Uh, a pretty good runner and i've yeah the last couple of years just been pulling away from the the peripheral sports just so i can focus on the running and yeah. an ultra distance running in particular
1: was there was there any particular if you like element or aspect that drew you to certain races with distances or elevation or if you like prestige
2: uh more so in the last year or two uh hmm originally it was basically if i looked on the new zealand sports calendar and it and it popped up and there was an empty weekend or or say i had a race on a saturday and there was this and the next day sunday was free and i could fit the two in i'd do that like I was, I
0: was
2: way too way too deep into into what i was trying to fit into my calendar i mean i'm still probably pushing it as far as like racing an ultra marathon a month for for this entire year so far but um yeah, that was, that was even more so, and so I wasn't getting recovery between, between races, Uh, now, now the last like year or two, I've basically looked at what I can fit in of prestige, or of, I don't know, spiritual importance, like there are, there are some races out there that are journeys, and Mm -hmm. I want to go on them, but at the same time, I don't know, maybe two years ago, I just I looked at the calendar, I looked at all the ultra-distance stuff and all the different world championships like UTMB, uh, the Athletics Association's 24-hour race, uh, along with uh, Big's Backyard, which I've now qualified for, and I just wanted to qualify for as many different ultra-marathon world championships as I could, and, and if possible, Dominate the sport through that. So, yeah. Yeah. So I so I started looking for for what was a cool race, but also what could qualify me for those.
1: Okay. And let's go.
2: Let's jump to backyard
1: ultra because I think it's very very different in terms of race format to any other ultra marathon I think out there, and that's what makes it so unique. There's no, for start, there's only one winner. If you don't win, you don't finish, which is a cruel cruel twist there's there's no end no end point at all so you race until there's two of you left and then you keep going until one person quits drops out gets injured or decides not to start a loop or finish a loop and the terrain it doesn't necessarily have to be flat it can there can be hills you're going to go multiple days it's it's really a never ending, like, like you said, it's like a journey, right? There's, you, you turn up for a race and you have no idea how long it could last. So what motivated you then to jump from something that has a specific distance and a definitive end point to something that could be ongoing?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I didn't seek out the Backyard Ultra on its own. Uh, as I say, I, I, a couple of years ago, I moved up to Auckland from Christchurch for this job. And at the time, I'd been doing long distance from uh, Anna, who's now my wife, but at the time she was was my girlfriend over in the US. And yeah, I think at that point in time, we'd been doing something like six months long distance, and I was heading up to Auckland, I looked on the running calendar to to search for races as I normally do, I said I need some races when I hit Auckland, and it was there was one like two weeks after I landed and it was like this backyard ultra format and I was like oh what the fuck's that so I did a bit of research and I don't know running running around in circles last man standing like it didn't really click as it doesn't with a lot of people when they first look at the at the sport thought it was kind of stupid but at the same time I saw that there was a golden ticket if you if you won the race you got a golden ticket to the world championship in Tennessee yeah and Tennessee is like a second home to me I've been like living there on and off since 2016 Plan plan and coaching rugby and that's where I met Anna and where she was living. I was like, oh shit, if I win this race then I get a golden ticket and I I can go see her. I was like, sweet, game on. And and I just turned up at that race not knowing anything. Uh and basically figured like I'm just gonna win this, like, whatever it takes. Uh, even though I'd only at that point in time I'd maybe run like a couple of fifty K's, I'd run 100k which absolutely destroyed me and I'd run 160k which was like yeah a bit of a mess but I still completed it Um, so yeah didn't know what was really happening Um, didn't know the mentality about it just basically figured I need to see my girl so I'm gonna win this one and (laughs) yeah the hours and the day and then the night they all ensued and yeah come the come the second night there was only There's only three of us left and then um number three he he popped off and then there was just the two of us and it was like me greenhorn didn't know what the fuck he was doing versus this guy chris bisley who's like arguably one of the most uh experienced and achieved ultra distance runners in new zealand like he's he's possibly at the at the Heavier end of his career, having achieved everything, and maybe maybe looking to to do other things with his life. Where I'm just getting into the sport, so yeah, yeah, there was that that little comparison, and yeah, we went toe to toe, just the two of us, for the last five hours until I uh, I had a moment of weakness and I and I pulled out. I mean, I, I busted my busted my knee, my popliteal tenon pretty pretty bad, but uh, yeah, that ended it for me. So. That's kind of how I got into the sport, and then yeah, I don't like the taste of losing. I I hate losing more than I like winning, and and losing to to that guy just yeah left a bitter taste in my mouth. And since then, I've had a kind of a point to prove. So I've yeah basically dominated the sport in New Zealand in the two and a bit years since.
1: Amazing. How far was that? You said you hit the second night, and then a few hours after. How long was that first race?
2: uh i did 37 hours 247 kilometers
1: (laughs) as your first backyard experience and you had no idea how to run it you're obviously experienced in racing so you had a a rough idea how to plan how to prep what food to take but just not necessarily how to race
2: i I was i was definitely hallucinating by the second night and i was i was also leaning into it like i was like fuck yeah like free free high let's let's explore this Crazy shit, and uh, where now? I just uh, I intentionally don't do that during a race, but uh, I'd say with that having set on as early as it did, uh, I'd probably uh, starved my brain of some key nutrients. Whether whether I was hypoglycemic or maybe a bit hyponatremic, dehydrated, uh, maybe there wasn't enough protein on board. So yeah, there's probably a few things that I could could have done. Differently, obviously, especially on the mentality front. But yeah, I've made a hell of a lot of adaptations since. And I guess where I was probably lucky in that race is I had a reason to win. I wasn't just there to to compete or or there to win. Like I was I was there to win, to get a golden ticket, to go over to the US to see my girl. So like maybe that uh, maybe that was kind of a little secret weapon for me. Possib- possibly I wouldn't be where I am in the sport right now if it hadn't, hadn't have been for that one single race and, and, the, and the reason that I had behind it I'd still be kind of figuring it out or who knows um, I'm scrappy and and so the the backyards are a good good format to scrap so mm-hmm. yeah it's probably where I've come into my own
1: yeah what I I mean my experience of running backyards that is limited in that I've only done two but <clears throat> from those two the first one, I learned that people try to get in your head and they'll lie to you about how far they've run, things they've done to put you off. So you're thinking about it for laps and laps and laps. And you're like, shit, this guy's this guy's done a 50-hour 50, 50 one before and I've never done one. So if I feel rough at 17 hours, he can go another, you know, 23. Oh, my God. And it just gets in your head and it eats at you. It eats at you. And then you realize afterwards he comes over and goes, oh, by the way, I made that up. like what the people do that
2: i can't believe it i i i probably don't do it as much like in that in that first race i did and maybe even the second one there was a little bit of like chest puffing like and then it's like honestly like actions speak louder than words i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do shit but i do definitely like find it when someone like starts chatting about their accomplishments in one of these races i'm like i see what you're trying to do (laughs) <laughs> like I mean, like cool, cool for you, bro. Like, yeah, I've done some racing as well, but like, well, we'll, we'll see what happens in the end. I'm, um, I mean, like in a similar scenario, rather than rather than kind of chest puffing and like telling people what I've done, I rely on what I've done to know how well I'm going to do in one of these races. Like, yeah, especially. Like last year in May, I did the south sydney twenty four hour, so it's like a twenty four hour track race on a four hundred metre track, and you just you've got twenty four hours to to run as far as you can. And I went out there, having only done one road ultramarathon before, but with big intentions, I was like I was cutting a a pretty pretty hot pace. And if I had have kept it up, it would have it would have it would have led to maybe a New Zealand record of some sort. I got like to the twelve or thirteen hour mark, so I'm like barely halfway, and my body blew up. Uh, t- turns out the guy who had been like giving me my nutrition had been like watering it down, so I hadn't been getting enough in the tank. But then I also like had tend- tendinopathy in my ankle. I uh, split the cartilage on the head of the femur of the knee, so like left knee was busted. I tore the right uh, hip flexor. So I couldn't get proper dorsiflexion in, in in my right leg and then um and then I chipped the bone on the right hip so like I was all sorts of messed up I, I from 120 kilometers to the 160 kilometer mark I basically deck marched. I was like I'm not flying to Australia to do a 24-hour race and not even getting to the to the 160k mark so I, I got to there and then 18 hours has passed and I was like sweet I'm going to bed Two weeks later or something, I fly to the, the crazy backyard in Christchurch, so the one that I, I won last week, mm. and I was going into it, like, busted. Like, I, I was sore. I, like, my legs were wrecked and heavy as I was going into that race, and uh, I was like, ah, oh, well, fuck around and find out. Like, started that race, and I won it. And so now I've gone into every other ultra marathon thinking, well, if I can do that on 160 kilometers worth of busted legs and like actual like injuries, then yeah, like these races for me don't even, don't even finish warming up until the 160, 200 kilometer mark. And so if you're stuffed after a day or two, like, good luck, sunshine. I'm going to eat you up. And then, now I've now I've done the world record the other week and then followed it up by a forty three hour. It's like yeah, my my boy would my body can go perpetually. It's just whether whether I want it enough.
1: Yeah let's let's come to that. So just over two it's two weeks now, isn't it? Two weeks you you had a a backyard ultra last man standing. And you shared the world record for running 101 consecutive hours, which is six hundred and seventy seven kilometres nonstop. Yep. Now, I was trying to think of probably the best way to describe this to people. And the, the way I came up with it is. People get up, they go to work and they start work on a Monday morning. They work Monday, they come home, they go to bed, they get up, they go to work on Tuesday, and so on and so forth, all the way through to Friday. They get to sleep, they get to relax, they get to rest. You got up, you went to run on Monday morning, and you ran basically all the way through Monday through the night, all the way through Tuesday, and you didn't stop until Friday. So people, basically you ran someone's entire work week and sleeping as well. Yep. (laughs) how do you even break this down so first of all you've you've kind of sort of alluded to the fact that you learn about these races on the go and each race you've kind of identified if you like that you could go into a race and run 100 miles busted up and still go and win it but how do you strategize for something that's this long. And I imagine you have to continually adapt and evolve your strategy as the race evolves.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it probably just comes down to a having a solid foundation. Like, yeah, I train a lot. I got, I've got a pretty solid rig to know that I can, I can run a couple of hundred or 300 kilometers on any given day, provided I'm putting the right fuel in the tank. Yeah. Uh, The, the backyard ultra, is honestly just a, a series of problems and you've just got to solve those problems as they come to you i mean some of them some of them are going to be problems that you've been presented with previously and so you've already got the tools to to fix them and then some of them are going to be problems that you've never been presented with before and you've got to you've got to solve them on the fly and yeah i guess it comes down to who who's the who's the best problem solver on the day
1: do you have any examples of problems
2: that come up that
1: you hadn't had before?
2: Uh, I guess on this, on the world record, like, I'd never gone, all of the races in New Zealand generally go into the second night, but they never make it past the second night. Yeah. So, so like, the longest I had gone previously in New Zealand was 46 hours, and, and everything prior to that was like thirty, in the thirties. This was going, adding another day, and then another day, and then a little bit more on top of that. So, just another level of fatigue, um, total, total exhaustion. Like I think on the, on the fourth night, I just like sat down and a thousand yards stared at the at the wall. And I was like, "Fuck! This is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life." <laughs> um, like I was just so <laughs> stuffed. And yeah, there was that. I mean, like, there was, I guess, a level of emotional heartbreak because um, the runner out of the USA, Harvey Lewis, is my boy now. And yeah. like, men have looked after each other out there. I was pretty emotionally invested in his race, and likewise, him and mine. And when he when he pulled out at the the 90 hour mark, uh, that that fucked me up a wee bit because yeah, we were we were looking after each other out there, and then all of a sudden, I didn't I didn't have didn't have my buddy. So yeah, that that presented a a problem. And yeah, I just had to keep myself G'd up really, just like focus on the task at hand but yeah I've I've watched like in groups run around in buddies chatting the whole time and like me I, I might be like a lone wolf and I'll just run the whole day or two by myself and then I'll pick it. I'll I'll see someone like about to crumble in their friend group and one guy crumbles and he pulls out Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden like within like an hour or two two hours of that like everybody in that group's gone because he's like yeah they've just lost lost their lost their morale i'm like oh yeah lads it's like losing if if you run
1: yeah if you run as part of a a close team if you lose one team member it's kind of like well he's gone so now it's almost like an excuse it's okay to it's okay to stop if you're not the first right (laughs)
2: Well, yeah, well, it's I feel like it's more along the lines of you've been relying on each other, and then all of a sudden you've got to adapt and become self-sufficient in in your emotional state. And I, I guess if you've been running solo from the start, then like you're already adapted to running by yourself. If you've been running with all your amigos and 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 they suddenly start falling off the wagon, then yeah, you don't have that support and and. It, takes a a huge uh emotional toll which uh becomes very hard to recover from yeah see
1: the i suppose you say you had to sort of adapt on well sort of problem solve your way through this i suppose when you do a race that's maybe 43 45 hours you can almost get away without sleeping you're kind of on the edge but this you can't so how do you bolt that in When you're coming in maybe 45 50 minutes a lap and you've got 10 minutes to refuel get out and go again
2: yeah i mean at the end of the day when you're in that level of sleep debt your body is going to pass out if you close close your eyes and and Mm. take away external stimulation so yeah it's basically just a matter of trying to get in with enough time that you can get rehydrated, get some nutrition on board, make any changes to your kit that you need to, and then I eye, eyes closed, lie down, pass out for however much time you may have available. And honestly, like in previous in previous races I've had sixty seconds sleep and that's been enough. Mm. Where in this one like I was banking a lot more sleep, like five, ten, up to fifteen minutes and that ends up being necessary,
1: not yeah. option. How often? How often would you try and bank that sleep? Would it be every? Would it come to almost every lap, or is it every second lap, every third
2: lap? How do you do it? Uh, by the third and fourth night, when sleep is viable, uh, every 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 lap I would be, every lap I would be sleeping uh, during the night, and then even sometimes during the day. And yeah, it really depended on, on how much time I had up my sleeve. I mean yeah, I was during during the second and third I mean, during the third and fourth night, I was probably getting at least five minutes worth of sleep every every lap. Phil Gore was getting something like fifteen, twenty, which is wild. Wow. That's
1: nuts. So he's actually running pretty pretty quick at that stage of the race without much distance in his legs.
2: Yeah, I would argue too quick. Uh, yeah. We'll see what hap- we'll see what happens when we throw down at, at Biggs in October. I'd say we'll go, we'll go a couple days deeper and we'll see. Yeah, uh, we'll see what all that pace does to his legs. <laughs> he,
1: was,
2: when- he was definitely hurting after the race. Um, yeah. Like, like he was in a considerable amount of pain after the after the race. So um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't as though he got away. Uh, without any scratches and bruises.
1: Have you been following what he's been doing since the race or has been speaking to him, see if he's run or how his recovery is going?
2: Not interested.
1: Not interested. Just focus on yourself.
2: Straight up, brother. Yeah. I yeah, love it. I got, I got other it. jobs at hand.
1: When you're, so you said that your, your now wife was motivation to get to Tennessee to, to visit for these races. What keeps you motivated and focused during the the later laps, perhaps when you're not so cognizant, fatigue set in, exhaustion set in, and you think, I just want to sit down, maybe just have a little rest. How do you keep going? How do you fight those demons? Because we all get them, right?
2: Yeah, bro, straight up. Uh, the legacy that I'm leaving for anyone who might be watching who can use this as fuel any any anyone who comes down my line whether it's my kids my grandkids or whatever uh, i know how important my great-grandfather's achievements have been to me he was a phenomenal um phenomenal athlete in in the athletics arena he he was doing boxing and, and and running and yeah he's got there's a picture of him with more trophies than I might have for for a few years and uh, yeah that's just that's fuel for me that's inspiration for me likewise with my dad who's a firefighter and was an amazing athlete and and my uncles they're just all inspiration for me that I feed off when I'm uh, when I'm out there running and yeah, basically, I figure I'm I'm doing the same for someone who who may not yet be and I need to do this right and I need to do this big in order for it to be successful, so yeah, I'm think thinking thinking of people other than myself.
1: Amazing. I love that. Now, most people after running for 677k would take a nice long break they'd recover they'd take care of their body they'd probably take a bit off running not you the following week you went out and you hit another backyard ultra and you won it in 43 hours covering a distance of two busy 290k that's not conventional <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah uh not advisable it's not <laughs> conventional uh, i mean it's it's normal people would say that's weird and even people within my sport would say you probably shouldn't fucking do that man you're gonna hurt yourself <laughs> uh i i kind of figure when people are, are telling you not to do something you're probably on track like do, do whatever the fuck do whatever the fuck you're doing if someone's telling you to do the opposite so um yeah uh i was certainly kind of stretching the limitations of of what i and others perceive as being possible um this this body's definitely capable of a hell of a lot which is it's nice to know Hmm. uh i yeah i was basically only supposed to go to that race as as kind of like the, the celebrity backyard runner to to kind of be social and then also to kind of i don't know maybe like up up the up the profile of the race and yeah so they gave me a free entry i flew down to Christchurch, and it was either going to be like one or two laps and then i'll pull out and i'll and then i'll encourage people to basically coach everyone from the sidelines or if i turn up and my body is sufficiently healed and my my knees and my hips aren't creaking then i'll just win it like
1: let's go so one or two laps which is like 12k nice little shakeout recovery run turned (laughs) escalated to 290
2: (laughs) yeah like like it's in for a penny and for a pound like there's there's no in between with me i'm either out or i'm in and if i'm in i'm fucking in all the way
1: and what what changed your mind to go from just you know turn up as a a support guy if you like to going and winning it what flipped the switch
2: i think the race director reached out to me while i was in australia it was only like a day or two after after i'd finished the the race in aussie yeah and 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 like gave me this offer and i was like oh yeah that'd be cool i'll, I'll like go and socialize and it like hadn't even been 12 hours and i was like no nah, i'm gonna go fucking win that <laughs> <laughs> I, Like i don't do anything by halves so like <laughs> I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna do a good job of it.
1: Who who do you have crewing for you at these things? Do you have a crew, or you do you do it yourself?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to do self-crew uh, one day. I've, but I guess I've got to the point now that I'm in so deep. I yeah. It's very very self, important. self crewing wouldn't be viable at the depth that I've uh, now achieved within this yeah. race. So um, yeah, no. My mum's my mum's my crew chief she's been she's been crewing for races since before i was born she was literally like crewing for my dad when he did the coast to coast longest day like like two weeks before i was born so like this this shit's in my blood but uh yeah mum's crew chief then dad's there i've got a few few hangers on Uh, And yeah, we run it as a pretty professional, well-oiled machine. Uh, at, at, At the Australian race, I had a couple of team members, Sean Collins and Adam Keane. Once they'd pulled out of the race, they then became crew members for me. And going into bigs, we've found out that you're only allowed one crew member. So apparently, like, as people start pulling out in that race, like... Uh, people rotate and start crewing for for other people who are still in it. So uh, that's that's going to be something going into the world championship. I'm I'm expecting. Yeah, I will have some odds and sods helping me helping me out helping <laughs> mum out. So
1: that's interesting because uh, you usually want your your crew member to know you intimately. So whenever you are struggling, they can, if you like, give you the words of encouragement that resonate with you or vice versa if you're if you really are struggling and they think you should stop they know that limit so having Mm. someone how do you feel about having someone that potentially doesn't know you doesn't know your background doesn't know how far you can push and really just how strong if you like you can be how do you feel about having someone like that crew you
2: i mean at the end of the day like you are the runner like it's only you out there my crew's job is to keep me watered keep me fed keep me clothed and and then do whatever other peripheral activities may need to occur in the pit stop all they need to do is is get that done and then make sure i'm on the start line everything else is on me so like the mentality aspect I would argue I've possibly got one of the strongest, if not the strongest, mentality within the backyard sport. So, like, it's very much on me. I can't, I can't rely on anybody else to 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 keep me motivated out there. And yeah, I'll just continue to to execute on that.
1: Got it. Aside from bigs, is there any other future races? Now that you, you said that you've been offered a pro contract, is mm. there any races that are on the cards that you've been looking at maybe outside of the, the 24, four? Uh, sorry, outside of the Backyard Ultra format, like 24-hour World Championships? Are you going to go up against Alexander Sorokin to try and take his 24-hour record? <laughs>
2: yeah, fuck that. That guy's a madman.
1: Even um, <laughs> <in> by my
2: standards. <laughs> No, I uh, have I the the New Zealand twenty four hour team. Uh, they all bullied me into into <laughs> putting my hat into the twenty four hour um, pot for for Taiwan this year. So, yeah, and, like I told them to go fuck themselves, and then I ended up paying paying the entry fee. So yeah, my name's <laughs> in the pot even Even though like my I've only got one twenty four hour performance and it's like shit, it's like one hundred and sixty k, and then mm. I gave up eighteen hour mark. the they they ask you to put like little previous experiences as to why you are sufficient to be put forward for this. and <laughs> yeah, mine is now world record, six, seven, seven kilometres. so that's that's probably enough to 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 get my toe in the door. Do I want to be running 24 hours in Taiwan at the end of the year? Fuck, uh, not really, but we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be an experience. Um, probably, other than that, uh, I'm going to try and set the FKT. Well, no, I'm, go- I'm not going to try. I'm going to set the FKT for, for the length of New Zealand. So um, that may be at the end of this year, otherwise, it'll be early next year. Uh, so that's that's got two options I can either run the road which is 2,000 kilometres and it's like just over two weeks is the record and then the alternative is to run the trail which is 3,000 kilometres and has like a lot more mountains and it's a bit more remote and you've got to do a couple of kayak sections and the FKT for that's something like 52 days so yeah that's on that's on my radar as well but then I'd say probably early next year I'll qualify for UTMB, mm-hmm. and and probably next year, uh, my plan is to win Bigs in October, get the golden ticket for the Barkley Marathons, which will be in like March next year. Yeah, go and beat the shit out of myself at that race, and then yeah, qualify for qualify for UTMB, race UTMB, race the Satellite Championship, because um, next year, instead of it being Biggs Backyard, it'll be the World um, Satellite Championship event. So those are those are kind of on, on the cards, and, yeah, then whatever I can fit in on top of that would be cool, which will be probably a couple of other international ultra-distance races in the 160-kilometer-plus format.
1: Amazing it's a a well stacked calendar
2: (laughs) yeah it's gonna hurt but (laughs)
1: it's gonna hurt do you when you finish these races do you celebrate at all do you take any time to if you like to reflect and acknowledge your accomplishments or is it just head down focus on the next thing
2: um yeah i definitely try and ride the wave that ensues Sometimes I don't get a wave like I did a I did a backyard in a backyard ultra at the start of this year in Auckland and won that, but it was I was only kind of warming up so like after it I was just like oh okay and like there was no high after it I was like oh lame like like I want that I want that rush and I never got the rush. Uh, generally, what I'll do is I'll just like chill, enjoy myself. Not that I'm employed right now but uh I'll generally try and take a couple of days off work afterwards and just like uh yeah get all my thoughts on paper. There's like a lot of there's a lot of creative juices are flowing at that point in time and I like to try and capture it before it all disappears into the ether again. And yeah, I've been on a very spiritual last couple of months. Like I I was on a I was on a massive downer at work and I had Ultra Trail Australia 100 coming up, and I was like, well, you know what? I've I've got leave booked. I'm going to head over to Australia. I'm going to do this race, and even though it's not, like, something I've got my heart set on, it's just like it's a rollover from last year's event. I had it last year. The (coughs) dates all – it got flooded, so they pushed my entry to this year. So I was just like, ah, well, go over, do that, and hopefully it'll be a holiday, and I'll get my head right. And then I'll be back into it at work and I like did the race and it was my most spiritual race ever and I was like, Oh, shit, didn't expect that and then I was like, Oh, I'm just gonna quit my job. Like <laughs> fuck getting my head right. It's like I need I need to get my my shit right and and the thing that's not right is is where I'm working, so gotta cut that. So yeah, I basically went back to work, quit my job, then had like a month to just train and 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 enjoy life and then that led into the into the world record in australia honestly went into australia having planned that was the that would be the world record but it's it's high hopes because like you don't know if anyone's going to be there to to get you there and honestly then that week was even more spiritual like like the most rewarding emotionally yeah the most rewarding week emotionally like i've ever had so yeah that was just a lot of like riding the high after after that race had completed so um yeah i I try not to focus too much on the next goal i i try and enjoy enjoy the successes that i've that i've had before i yeah
1: yeah you're just almost present present in the moment right absolutely do you have any, like, favorite quotes or mantras that you use or you sort of recite to yourself whilst you're running in these, or are you just thinking and exploring ideas?
2: Yeah, I've, I mean, like, so 2016, I moved to, to the US, like, kind of burnt the boats, I, like, went to the US, I created this little niche for myself of playing and coaching rugby and that's where i've built my second life outside of new zealand and it was around 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 about that time that i started listening to a, like a lot of motivational speech and like i would i download shit on my phone or my laptop youtube to mp3 and and like it was all the all the great motivational speakers <clears throat> so i've got a lot of that stuff just burnt into my brain and i uh, i call on it when i'm when i maybe need to when i'm in a dark spot or, or when i just want to get amped up and and so yeah there's a lot of quotes uh, even some that i've created myself like a couple that i would created myself uh, within racing one was like in the in the last two maybe three days of the of the world record i basically said to myself this might be the most important thing you ever do so be an adult and just get it done. <laughs> wow. You just kept the, like saying that to yourself. I was like, this, this might be the most important thing you ever do. Like, you might, like, I might not ever break a world record or, or match a world record or whatever again. So it's like, this is the opportunity. All the pieces are in place. Everything's right. You just need to fucking man up and get this job done. Because, yeah, who knows what's gonna happen later down the track? So, yeah, I mean, I don't doubt that like fuck next opportunity I get, I'm gonna do one hundred and fifty hours, but there was always that 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 possibility. Uh, there's this one that I've been using in races to get me through uh, for the last year has been for my family, for those that were, for those that are, and for those that are yet to be, and I basically I picture like. I picture my grandparents that are passed. I picture my family that is—my parents, my brothers, my my wife—and then, and then I picture me and my wife and any kids we might have one day. And I'm just like, this is this is for them. Like, I can get that shit done.
1: Very powerful. I have one more question, and then I'll let you go to bed. I can see the sun is set behind you in that window there, and you've probably got a massive run planned tomorrow if maybe somebody is wanting to get into ultra running or backyard ultra or 24 hour racing and they just they haven't started yet maybe they doubt themselves they think that they don't have the ability they can't do it for whatever reason how would you inspire them and motivate them to get started
2: just get started have the balls to fail like I I am the product of a massive series of failures and just an an inability to give up and I've just built and built and built upon success and failure and failure and failure and success and failure and just keep on working on like I've gotten punched in the mouth plenty of times and I've hurt myself plenty of times and I just I just keep on working on keep on keep on making little changes to the system done my research but then I've also yeah I've I've done I've done my soft research online but then I've done my hard research by just getting in there getting in the arena and getting beaten up a few times
1: fantastic there you go have the balls to fill Sam thank you very much I know this conversation didn't work out the first time because of uh, technical issues but I've thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it and I think you're an absolute savage (laughs) I mean you come across as a a sort of very uh chilled calm relaxed guy but I know like you've just alluded to there you do your research you do your homework you put in the hard effort and you're you're certainly not well you're not shy of putting yourself in an absolute hole and suffering and you certainly practice what you preach in that 101 hour world record I think it's just the beginning. I'm very excited to follow your, your running journey throughout the next couple of years and see what you can produce. Yeah, um, pretty exciting, brother. How can people follow along as well? I guess your Instagram, is there any websites?
2: Yeah, um, if anyone's going to follow along, uh, my Instagram is Sam Harvey underscore Cloudlander. And, uh, and then there's a Facebook page, uh, Sam Harvey Athlete. yeah uh journey's just getting started man like i've I've finally finally done enough fucking around in sport (laughs) found out where i fit in this world and managed to get there by 30 which is crazy because it's like that is the very start of an ultra distance career so i've got like a good 15 plus years of this ahead and there's a hell of a lot of world records and world firsts that are yet to be decapitated and absolutely <laughs> destroyed so i'm coming after them
1: mate you're going to be dangerous <laughs> i'm actually no. nervous for the rest of the world sound <laughs> brilliant thank you so much for your time and uh yeah looking forward to see what you can do
2: cheers rob take care brother
1: thank you man